With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. everybody, Bob Wankel here alongside Anthony Sanfilippo for a brand new episode of Cross Up. And after a couple weeks of only doing one episode, we are back. We are uh, holding to our promise that we kept earlier in the week with a second episode. We're recording here on Friday morning. After a, a down and then very up week for the Phillies here, after a huge win in San Diego to kick off a four-game series against the Padres. And Anthony, uh, let's just jump right into it, man. Like, So we were talking earlier in the week about... The Phillies and winning ugly in Washington and then how the offense wasn't really clicking. And that sort of carried over into two disappointing games against the Rangers. They go 0-4 against a bad Texas team this season. And it looks like it's all kind of getting out of hand fast for this team. And then they have a great win last night. So where are you at this morning and what are you thinking right now? Yeah, it's, it's kind of a tough spot, Bob, because I was, I was a little frustrated, obviously, um, watching them play against Texas because... It's not like they. It's not like they got bad pitching against the Rangers. I mean, their pitching was fine. Bullpen did a nice job, right? I mean, yeah, you know, until late in the one game. But I mean, but I mean, otherwise, I mean, they they were pretty good, um, and they just weren't hitting. They weren't coming through. They weren't coming up with clutch hits, right? I mean, what was it? The one game where they were what one for nine with runners in scoring position, or one for ten? It was something ridiculous like that. Um, and, and so, like that that kind of stuff concerns me, right? When you when you're when you have the lineup that's, that they have that's capable of doing what it's doing and not being able to produce with a little bit more consistency in those important positions and those important spots in the game, um, I, that bothers me because it, you, that, that can't be a recurring theme, right? And so I start to get a little frustrated, but then I watched the game against San Diego last night, <laughs> and they're facing a guy who was the early season leader in the Cy Young race, hands down, Joe Musgrove was 8-0 and with an ERA of like 1.4, whatever the hell it was. And they got all six runs off him. And it really – I mean, I know they didn't hit early, but, man, did they, did they tee off on him in the sixth inning. And and good for them. I mean, it, it was it, – and it, because a couple of guys that they really needed to kind of get going, like help them get the runs that they needed to get. And, and that was – to me, that was an important thing. I'm not back to being 1,000% confident rah-rah again – but that's a good start to this series against a really good team that you're chasing technically in the wild card race and, and, and see where it goes from here because now now you have a chance to maybe win this series. And I, and I know it's weird to say that because, you know, okay, it's a four-game series. They're going to win. You all of a sudden, I'm going to predict they're going to win three out of four. They have a really good situation on Saturday because Blake Snell's really struggled. So really, if you, if you let's just say you take that one. If you split the other two, you have a three out of four, right? So, I mean, I, I, I look at it and say, this could end up being a, a great road trip after it started off so poorly. It was like, man, this is going to 
you know, this is not going to be good, this little Texas-San Diego two-step thing. Yeah, it started building really ugly. They went, uh, starting Saturday, a stretch with the final two games of the National Series and then the two Rangers games scoring just six runs over four games. And they go one and three in that stretch. And you start to think, okay, I mean, obviously you expect them to cool off after getting hot going on this this massive win streak uh, under Rob Thompson. You knew that they were going to regress at some point, but you would have hoped, I think, for at least a series split in Texas. It was very right. disappointing, both games. They had absolutely nothing on Tuesday night, and then uh, Wednesday afternoon, uh, really, again, a disappointing effort. And for those two games in Texas, like you said, they struggled with runners in scoring position to the tune of actually 0 for 12 across the two games. They were... 0 for 9 on Tuesday night and then backed it up with not many opportunities really on Wednesday, just a short little 0 for 3 there. So really disappointing. And then, like you said last night, Joe Musgrove's just blowing through the Phillies last night. And, you you know, as you noted, uh, potential NL Cy Young candidate comes in with a sub-2 ERA. He had really been rolling. In fact, I believe after his last start against the Cubs, seven innings, five hits, one two earned runs in that game, had a 1.59 ERA coming into last night. And early on, it looked like he was just going to dice up the Phillies, uh, really scuffling at the plate as a team. And they got to him. And we could talk about the home runs from JT Real Muto. It's been a while, right? And obviously Kyle Schwarber now with 20 on the year. He's on pace for, for well over 40, which is pretty remarkable when you kind of sit back and think about it. And by the way, I actually hold that thought because I have a kind of like a big picture thing that I think we've been talking about a little bit here lately. And I want to get back to that in a minute. But... It's actually Oduble Herrera who's been going through a horrendous spell lately. Right. Uh, just been terrible. He gets a big base hit to tie the game up, kind of get the Phillies their footing a little bit in that game. And then it's Schwarber and Real Muto with the two big home runs to kind of get them that win. So, question here I have. It's like one of the things that we look at. We've talked on this show at different points about, wow, look at the runs per game. A lot of these team-wide statistics, they're ranking in the top five at points, top ten at others. And you say, wow, it's really good offense. And then you watch him play for the last four or five games before last night. You say, this is not a very good offense. It's so reliant on Bryce Harper. If he's not red hot, it's a problem. You know, the, the leadoff spot, is Kyle Schwarber really a leadoff guy? Talk about him hitting 40 home runs. Should he be batting leadoff for you? I know that there's a debate about that. JT Real Muto has gone a month without hitting a home run. Nick Castellanos can't hit the ball out of the infield anymore. Like, what what is going on, right? So it kind of just draws me back to this thing, like, Baseball is an ebb and flow game. We know that there's not going to be consistent production from everybody all the time. But do you think that this is a good offense? I, I think that that's kind of like where I'm driving at right now. Do you think that this is a good offense when you watch it over the span of three months now? Um, is it a good offense? Yes. Is it a dominant offense that, I, that we kind of thought it could be? It's not. And I, I thought it would be a better, I thought it would be, be just, I thought it would be better at passing, you know, like passing the baton, right? Like having multi, you know, a lot of opportunities, you know, you, know, you can't say they're going to score six, seven runs a game, right? But you, but I, I kind of felt like there would be a lot of chances where you sit there like, they're going to have opportunity, they're going to get runners on base every inning and they're going to have chances, you know, a lot. They're not going to be a lot of one, two, three innings with this team. Um, and they're going to, so it's like, to me, I kind of anticipated that. And it seems to be that there's, that's not it. There's a lot more one, two, three innings than I would have hoped for with this offense. So, yeah, so I mean, is it good? Is it, it's good, but it's not what I thought it was. It's, it's it not as good as I thought it was going to be. Though, watching one team, like, doesn't every team go through this? And, 
you see there's nights where they, they can really grind up pitchers. They get to Musgrove last night. They beat Corbin Burns earlier in the year. It was kind of an ugly game. They left some opportunities early, but they got his pitch count way up really quick into that game against uh, the Brewers. Like you, I just think that, yes, there's inconsistencies, and you say, how do all of these guys with some of the names and some of the production that they have – how are there their nights where they're scoring one run or they're they're putting up two runs over two games against guys that are you know John Gray and and Perez like these are just yeah. guys right yeah well so I I think back think back to the glory years Bob when the when the team was you know ten years ago twelve years ago when the team was uh, you know the number one team in Philadelphia um, those teams had games where, where they didn't play well those teams had games where you know they had I mean they had stretches where they didn't play well. But do you ever really remember there being times where that offense just befuddled you, like consistently befuddled you? Like I don't. I, I kind of remember there being times where, you know, they would they would struggle. They would, but they always seem like they. It's like oh, they almost got there. Oh, they had bases loaded and couldn't get the run. This time, this group doesn't do that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, right. yes, we talked about that they don't they don't get runners home when they're in scoring position. And I know that sounds a little bit hypocritical for me to say, but at the same time. There is more consistency of zero with this team than there ever was with that team, and this team should be on on par with that team at least offensively, right? I mean, I mean, I, I or maybe even a little bit better when you think about it with with the depth of the lineup. So, I mean, I like to, to me, I think that's where I get concerned, and maybe that's just the way baseball is today. It's just like there's more big innings and and a lot more empty innings. Um, that's just the way that the game goes. But I mean, I just feel that there's a lot that, and that's why maybe that's why we think of inconsistency. Yeah, maybe that's I mean, what it is. When you look at it, I will say this, and, and there are some just, I think at the end of the day, it's about run production. Can you score? And right now, they are tied for six in baseball with the Braves at 4.79 runs per game. You know what's interesting, too, when you look at the top offenses? Just I'm going to rattle a couple off. Tell me what you notice here as I say this. The Dodgers, the Yankees, the Mets, the Giants, the Cardinals, the Phillies, the Braves. Any like trend that you can pick up just as I say those team names? <laughs> they're all they're all teams that should be in the playoffs. This year. Oh, they're all teams that should be in the playoffs. They're actually <laughs> of, of the the seven highest scoring teams. Those six are National League teams. That, oh, I didn't that, think about that. Yeah, that with, yeah. The, with the DH now being uh, you know yeah. across both both leagues. That's good. So, yeah, I mean the Phillies are scoring, and in fact, what I actually think is pretty impressive when you take it a step further is you look at run production on the road this season. The Phillies are fourth best in baseball, averaging. 5.17 runs per game on the road this season, which is which is pretty interesting. You would think that given Citizens Bank Park and the way that everybody has talked about Citizens Bank Park historically being hitter-friendly, it's actually not played that way at all this season. Phillies, Phillies uh, run differential is actually more than half a run per game uh, better on the road than it do, is at home this season. Do you know historically it's not a hitter's park? Uh, yeah, but it's it's one of those <laughs> things, right, that gets talked about. Like, Actually, if you go back to, I believe, at its open, and for the first, like, seven or eight years of its existence, it played above average, but not like Coors Field, the way that it got talked about. Being a right, right. Pop. And right. now here in later years... Uh, it's actually skewed the other way. It's really strange. It's almost dead right down the middle. I think over like a ten-year span. Yeah, it's it's more it's more of a middle of the road park. You're right, and uh, uh, I think it's funny that a lot of people think it's it's a it's a hitter's park, but it's yeah. it's really not. It's just kind of a, it's kind of a neutral, which is not a bad thing, right? I mean, if you're putting yeah. the team together, 
you know, and you and you want to, you know, some top, some teams can build a lineup around their park, saying, you know, you know, like like look at the Yankees, like oh, we have a short porch in right field, let's get a bunch of left-handers in there, right? I mean, and then you do that, and uh, you know, and, and they hit a bunch of home runs or, or whatever the case might be, or you're playing a more cavernous field and you want a bunch of singles hitters, right? Um, so yeah, I mean, you can build around your ballpark, but you don't have to here. Like if Philadelphia is, it plays pretty true. If I, I here, here's an interesting question in light of how last night's game played out. If I were to tell you that at the end of the season, a player was going to hit 46 home runs, have over 70 extra base hits, draw over 100 walks, and sniff about 100 runs batted in, would you tell me that that player is an all-star? <laughs> I know where you're going with this. And I would say normally yes. Does it matter that that player is hitting like 218 as we have this conversation? <laughs> Because I will say, like, when you look at this 46 home run pace right now, Kyle Schwarber's on. I know that it's kind of against what you think. He's not a very good defensive player. The batting average doesn't stack up. He's still a power hitter that's got an OPS in the mid-800s. But, man, those numbers, when you count them up, they look pretty damn good, dude. Yeah, they do. And and, and the thing of it is is that I, I don't know that what he's doing this month is really sustainable over the course of the remaining no, part of the season, right? So. Well, that's the thing. Right? I, mean, you know, so I look at it and say, okay, yeah, he's having a monster month, and he's turned his season into – because you remember, we were yeah. before June, we were bitching about him, Bob. Yeah. And we were sitting there like, like, come on, man. Like, what are you doing? Like, you, yeah. you're killing this team. And since June 1st, he's been sensational. And he did this last year with Washington. If we if we if we go back, right? I mean, he was really good, and I ended up getting traded to Boston. Um, but even after he went to Boston, he didn't. He never really replicated his June in Boston. And, and so, like, I, do I think that he could have a, a forty home run season, a hundred RBIs, hundred walk? Yeah, he could have all those things. But I also think that we're looking at. It, it's going to even regress back from where it is. So you sit there and say, well, if he's hitting 218, you know, are you okay with that? Well, it might not be at the end of the year 218. It might be worse. It actually might be 210, 209. You know what I'm saying? And I don't, I don't know. Home maybe, runs. Maybe, maybe he has just gotten his footing here. I mean, in June, he's hitting 291. He has a 696 slugging percentage in the month of June. Nine home runs, 18 runs batted in. And I will say, you mentioned it. it. Everyone talks about June Schwarber. The calendar slipped to June, and here comes Kyle Schwarber. Man, it really is true. Because if you go back and you look at his game-by-game performance, the, the night that the Phillies lost to the Giants, 7-4 and 11 innings, the game that cost Joe Girardi his job, Kyle Schwarber was 0-3 in that game. He did draw three walks in it. But his average sunk to 185, and he flattened out with a 721 OPS. And that's how he closed the month of May. And you wake up this morning now, he's hitting 218. He's slugging 500. It's an 842 OPS, 20 home runs. And I I do wonder if he's on the, on the brink here of potentially earning his way into an all-star game. If he has one more week like this, 10 more days like this, where he's driving at 23, 24 home runs by the time July 4th rolls around, man, like, I, I don't expect him to make it. I'm not advocating for it, but I do think it's an interesting conversation at this point. Yeah, I mean, it is. It is an interesting conversation. Um, and, you know, we, we talked about a couple couple episodes ago about you know, how many potential all-stars the Phillies have, and we assumed, you know, um, Harper for sure, and and probably Wheeler, um, and then we were like, okay, does Nola get get a third one? Um, 
you know, and then I, I kind of threw at you like, hey, even though he's not playing well, if you really look at the National League catchers, um, Real Muto actually probably still fits into that top two to three range statistically. So maybe he's one. And now you got Schwarber doing what he's doing. And so the question then becomes, is he a, is does he become an all-star? Obviously, they're not going to get five all-stars. I, yeah. I doubt they're going to get five all-stars. But the fact is, is that there are more names, certainly, that are going to be mentioned as a possibility for uh, an all-star appearance this year. Uh, and I think that three is probably the number. I think if we're, if we're setting odds, Bob, I'd say three is probably the number that it, it'll land on for this team. Yeah, and really what prompted this conversation on my end was just realizing he's tied for the National League lead in home runs with Pete Alonzo right now. He's tied for yeah. fourth in all of baseball. So it, when you start to get up into that category, I do think that there are certain counting stats that lend a little bit more credibility to the case. And for him, I, I just say, wow, you know, Though I don't believe he's worthy of it, I do think he's starting to knock on the door where you could be a guy or two away from saying, nah, I'm out on the All-Star game this year to him being a replacement. I mean, which is just absolutely wild. I do think... Well, not only that, not only that, I mean, if you're looking at potential home run derby contestants... Yeah, yeah. I mean, even maybe he doesn't play in the... Are you somebody that gets a little bit worried about the home run derby and messing up swings and yeah. you want to flow? Does that bother you at all? No, 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 not really. Only because th- that that's how guys swing now. It's it's. I mean, home run hitters. That's how they swing. Right. Like nobody's nobody's. I mean, back you know ten years ago, you know when the Bobby Abreu's were having those thirty or whatever it was fifteen years ago, and he was having that you know all star game home run derby for the ages. And then all of a sudden couldn't hit a home run after he came back from the All-Star game. I mean, that's a guy that maybe he was changing his swing to try and hit home runs. And then it maybe affected him a little bit. But these guys today that are home run hitters, they swing like this every time they come up to the plate. So, no, I'm not worried about it changing it. And one more thing on Schwarber. I mean, talk about getting on base, consistently working your way on the base. He's, He's reached base in every game for a calendar month now. I know. It's the crazy. The last time that he failed to reach base was on May 25th when he went 0 for 4 against the Atlanta Braves. That was the um, the day after the Nick Nelson ninth inning didn't go to Corey Knable, Bryce Harper, late home run. Just yeah. to kind of put your mind at where, what, what point in the year was that? I mean, that's how long it's been since Kyle Schwarber has failed to uh, reach base. Now, a little nice little conversation about the offense. I think we could probably dig a little deeper into JT Romuto maybe uh, next week. I kind of want to see, d- does last night get him going a little bit? Right. It's been so long since he's really driven the ball with any consistency. Finally homers. He does it in a big spot against a really good pitcher. And I do wonder how much of JT Romuto's struggles have sort of um, been that, that snowball effect. You're talking about a really good player, a guy that, that is really well liked in that locker room. And he's just never really struggled like this before. Uh, And I do wonder if things have just kind of gotten away from him a little bit. And to what extent maybe having a big moment last night sort of rejuvenates him a little bit. So I am interested to see what the potential carryover effect from that home run last night against Musgrove might be. Uh, But unless there's something that you want to pounce on right now, maybe shelve that topic until the beginning of next week. Yeah, that's Uh, fine. I mean, I do. I'm like you. I do want to see a little bit more this weekend from him and, and see how it how it goes before we go and pass, uh, you know, make any kind of judgment. Because, like you said, it could be, it could have just been a one-time thing, and then and then he goes right back into the doldrums of grounding into double plays and hitting pop-ups and striking out. Or it could be something that propels him back to being the kind of hitter that they need him to be 
we don't know that yet. Let's let's give it a few more games and then we'll talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the other big takeaway, at least for me last night, was the performance of Ranger Suarez. Ranger Suarez, yes. Who continues to really uh, have a, a bizarre year. I mean, I think that's the best way that I can sort of phrase it. You look at the overall numbers, you see the 423 ERA. And every time you sort of feel like, man, he might not really have it this season, he then rebounds and gives you a start where you go, wow, that was awesome. Where the hell's that been? Um, and it, he's just really had this up and down year to this point. But he was great last night in a big spot in a game where the Phillies did not have a lot of wiggle room, especially early on. He goes seven and a third innings pitch, seven hits, only two earned runs allowed. Didn't strike out many, only three strikeouts, but kept the walks in check. Uh, which is something he's really been struggling with in terms of command, and he does a great job last night. Uh, what was your your overall takeaway from Ranger Suarez in that game? That he went deeper into the game. That's to me was the most important thing. That he was efficient with his pitch count. That he was what I think it was just through eighty eight pitches through six innings. I mean that to me that was the most important thing, Bob, because Ranger has been having an issue in my mind of of getting having to throw a lot of pitches, even when he's pitched well. So far this season, throwing a lot of pitches early in games and really not being able to get you the length that you really would like to get out of him, right? I mean, to get to, to get into seventh inning, and I was even hoping that he could get through the seventh. Obviously, he ran out of steam there in, in that inning, but you know, it would have been nice to just get through seven, and then you know, you only have to rely on the bullpen for eight and nine. Um, you know, that would that would have been something I would have really liked to really love to see, but still, to go what was six and a third, I think it was before he got yanked, um, and to really keep that pitch count low. That's what I liked most about it, and he was really efficient after the first. I mean, was second inning through that seventh inning, he was just mowing them down. I mean, the Padres couldn't. Now, let's be honest. I mean, Padres are missing a couple of big bats in the lineup, right? I mean, it's not like it's not like their you know their regular full time uh, you know all star lineup is out there. Uh, nevertheless, Suarez did. I mean, this is this is the team leading the wild card race, and you know one of those bats hasn't been part of that lineup for most of the season, so. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I you know I was really impressed by Ranger and his perform keeping the pitches down, keeping the batters off balance, really like you know n not letting anything bother him, um, and it was just it was just it was just a fine performance and something like that that hopefully he can find that level of consistency because if you could do that against a good team, then you could do that against anybody, right? So that that's something that's a that's a big positive for the Phillies moving forward. Yeah, I mean, you said it. If you go back over his last seven starts, finally being able to pitch deep into a game. Now, he did that a couple starts ago against Milwaukee. He goes seven innings. He only allows two earned runs. And you say, okay, maybe he's turning the corner. But then he follows that up with a, a shaky start against the Diamondbacks. He didn't get a lot of help in that game. Phillies go on to lose 13-1. to But he only goes four and a third. Even against uh, Washington last Friday, five and two-thirds. I mean, you'll, you'll live with that, especially from a guy in the middle of the back end of your rotation. But... Again, clearing six innings. Like I, I feel like that that's a hurdle with him. That you'd like to see him do it a little bit more consistently. So for him to then go again seven innings plus last night, I, I do think is a nice trend. I mean, listen, if you just go back, like I said, over seven starts, May twentieth against the Dodgers, he goes three innings. He follows that up with four and a third, four and a third, seven against Milwaukee, four and a third. Five and two-thirds against Washington, and then seven and a third. Seven and a third last night. So, you know, that's what they need out of him. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully I think I misspoke there for a second. Yes, it was seven and a third. I was hoping he got through eight. That's yeah. that's what I was hoping he got through. I hope he got through the eighth inning and just had to have the reliever in the ninth. Which Apologize I think the, the, other big, the other big thing then last night is that we've all arrived at this point where Sir Anthony Dominguez is going to be this team's closer. You have to save him for the ninth inning. 
Uh, they have no other options. You know that Knable can't do it right now. Certainly Jerry's Familia cannot do it right now. So, And we've had this discussion as has every Phillies writer, radio talk show host, blogger, whatever. So last night they get themselves into a tight spot a little bit in the eighth inning. Obviously they go into the bottom of the eighth, up 6-1, Ranger Suarez starts. I believe uh, they go second and third, nobody out right off the bat. They leave Suarez in to face uh, Profar. They get an out, and then they make a move. And it becomes Sir Anthony Dominguez with two runners in scoring position and one out uh, to face Alfaro. Any problem with that? Or do you say, what are we doing? you got to save him for the ninth. No, I, I don't have a problem with that because, well, two things. And it, it turned out to be the way that they did it was fine. Um, it, it, let's just say those two runs score there. Right and now it becomes a save situation in the ninth inning. I'm probably they probably let Dominguez go another inning. I th- I think I don't think that they turn it over to hand at that point. Um, but the fact that he gets out of it and it's a four run cushion and not a three run cushion makes them feel a little bit more comfortable to say okay, now we can go to a new pitcher in the ninth inning. So I think it's a situation where you have your best reliever coming into a tough spot where you have the not necessarily that the game's on the line, but you're you're on the on brink of letting a team back into a game that you don't want to let them back into the game. Shut them down, get them at, get out of it, and then the ninth inning you can start clean with a new pitcher with a four run lead or five run lead if he would have doesn't allow the one run to inherited runner to score. I, I think that that's kind of what Thompson's approach is there, and so I'm I'm fine with that. Um, if if it would have been interesting to see what would have happened if the if both runs score. Does he then still take Dominguez out and go to hand for a save situation? Then I sit there and say, well, I don't know. Like, maybe we could have done this a little bit differently. But, I mean, you know, if you're going to let Dominguez come back out and pitch the ninth, I have no problem with a with a closer going more than an inning. Yeah. I really don't. You need a four or five out save from a closer? So be it. I think that the bigger problem for me right now is obviously there's just not somebody that I feel equally confident in to take down a big spot. And so, though I do think when the Phillies are holding a two-run lead in the ninth inning, more often than not, they might actually start getting away from this matchup stuff and just say, he's our best guy, go get him. I do think that last night in the situation that they were facing, that was the opportunity to kind of put out the fire. And, you know, sort of as you noted, if you were able to put out the fire in that spot, you should be able to use one of your lesser arms to then finish out the ninth. That was kind of the Padres' last, their last stand last night. Right, I think that right. they recognized it, and it made sense to to kind of to roll the dice in that spot with Dominguez. Yeah, and, and I think we're and we talked about this on Monday too, Bob. And I don't want to you know re dive into it, but I mean he's had a couple. Uh, he's continued to look good since then. Connor Brogdon's really kind of developing into a guy that I think is I going know. to be part of that back end now. I really do. I really think he's going to be. That I don't know if he's going to necessarily be your setup guy, quote unquote, but he's developing into a guy that you can sit there and say, after Dominguez, he's one of the next two. I I think that that's really what we're looking at with with Brogdon. So I mean, you know, I think that this the Phillies are starting to feel a little bit of confidence in certain guys that they feel like that they can go to without if, if it can't be Dominguez. Brad Hand is one probably because more he's a veteran guy and, and knows how to get through some sticky situations, even though he's had one or two clunkers this year. Overall, he's been decent for them, and I think Brogdon is developing into that guy so that maybe if you look at them two kind of being 
in, in uh, uh, you know, in conjunction with Dominguez here over the course of the next month, maybe as you approach the trade deadline, maybe you only need to add one bullpen piece towards that back end to really solidify it, uh, as opposed to like saying, man, we need two guys back there, you know, to, to help Sir Anthony. So I, I kind of think that that's a good thing to, to at least see over the course of the next uh, several weeks. Are Brogdon in hand good enough to go along with Dominguez? I think that's a that's a good way to, for the Phillies to play it. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Now I'm actually uh, I sent you a message as we were talking because I wanted a smooth a smooth transition out of this, but we're gonna <laughs> we're going to actually I missed sorry I missed that. No, we're going to be recording the the shortest episode ever of Crossed Up because Corporate Bob Wankel has uh, some obligations that he needs to take care of. But before we get out of here. Uh, it sets up the rest of the weekend, and let's assume that you're listening to this on a Friday. Phillies, like as you noted in the in the beginning of the show here, have a, an ability, I think, to potentially win three out of four games. And maybe I'm setting up the ultimate jinx, but Aaron Nola versus Mackenzie Gore. Mackenzie Gore is a stud. He's young, 23-year-old lefty, has a really high ceiling, and has pitched well in spots for the Padres this year, but really has struggled his last two times out. So the Phillies are getting a guy right now that, that's been going through it a little bit, and hopefully they can capitalize against Gore tonight with Aaron Nola, who's been, I would say, fantastic, uh, mm-hmm. more or less, uh, over the last two months or so. Come back, I believe you'll see Blake Snell Saturday, and they will pair up Zach Eflin. I know we talked a lot about Zach Eflin in our last show. Will he be throwing on Saturday? I was a little bit surprised, but he's been given clearance. They need more out of him now. If he's going to go yeah. out there, like I talked about earlier this week, can't be for three innings. Like you got to go out and give them a real start here. Right, I agree. I agree. Yeah, and that's. I mean, that's that's the key. I mean, ultimately, that's what it comes down to. Um, and then, if, I guess on Sunday they finish up with Gibson. It would I be guess. Gibson if they stay in stay in line against you, Darvish, which is a a tough assignment, obviously. Yeah, so the that's Phillies, I think, matchup. if they're going to get their three out of four, might need to strike. Uh, both Friday and Saturday night to do it. But after a tough start here uh, to the week with two underwhelming games against the Rangers, you know, a little bit of a little bit of a positive vibe here on a Friday going into the weekend, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, Bob. I think that the, I think this is going to be a good weekend for the Phillies, and I think we'll be looking at uh, you know some excitement coming into the Brave series when they come home next week. All right. Well, that will do it for today's show. We will talk to you on. Monday morning after the conclusion of this Padres series, Phillies come home again. And, uh, Anthony, we have to talk about who's covering those games. So I'll be, <laughs> I'll be in touch with you on that. There's a lot of things happening. Yeah, also, sounds good. You got you have two guys covering the Phillies on this podcast. One of us will be down there for these That's games. Right. I don't we'll be know there for sure. Them, but we'll be there, and we'll be bringing you all of that hands-on, need-to-know knowledge next week on Crossed Up. So for Bob Wankel, for myself, for Anthony Sanfilippo, we will talk to you guys soon.